educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. I'm Radical Russ from CannabisRadio.com. We're streaming live on Spreaker and glad to have all our listeners on the internet tuning in. Joining us here at the desk, we have Mark from Sea of Green. Mark, welcome to our show. Thanks. So Sea of Green, of course, I know that as being a very dense uh, growing technique for cannabis. Is that what we're talking about here? No, sir. Okay, so tell us what Sea of Green is. We are a local uh, hydroponics store here in the valley. We uh, service uh, everybody across the valley as far as dispensaries, uh, right down to your caregivers and just local growers. All right. So in I know in the past there's been a lot of uh, federal action against grow stores, hydroponic stores, but now with medical and soon uh, recreational legalization, I guess we can now talk about growing cannabis in these stores? Um well, we're pretty candid at our store, yeah. I mean, I can't really help you grow what you need to grow unless I know what you're growing. Sure. Tomatoes are a little bit different than cannabis, so. Yeah, that used to be the thing. You had to say, you know, uh, what can I get for my tomatoes, <laughs> wink, wink. So it's a lot easier now, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. All we're right. Just, uh, we just talk about it. All right, so uh, this is uh, hydroponics. Is that what you mentioned? Um, well, we do everything from soil to hydroponics. Okay. So um, the, the name Hydro Gardens shouldn't stop you from coming into our store. Uh, we'd love to help you out, whether you're in soil or all the way up to soil list. We'd love to help. All right. So for someone who's uh, looking to get started in this or doing their first grow, what tips would you give them as far as what they should get, how they should invest their time and money? I would really start with organics, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it, it allows for more leeway. It gives you a little bit of a buffer. Um, hydroponics use more synthetic nutrients. They're more of a now. It's an instant thing. Um, where that can cause a little trip-ups because there's not that, that slow-down time that helps keep you from making mistakes. I see. So that would be the best way to get started with organics, and, and you've got everything they need for that, I, I presume. Oh, yeah, I've got everything, soils, right right on up to liquid uh, organic nutrients. So. All right, so how long have you been in the grow game? Is this predate medical? Um, well, we've been here in the Valley for 22-plus uh, years. Okay. Um, so. so we were the original hydro store here in the Valley, um, servicing the whole state. So Okay. How um, did you get involved? Um, I got involved um, a couple years ago. I was uh, in sales for uh, quite some time, and I just got you know a little bit, I guess, um, uh, enamored with 
the hardcore sales environment and just kind of find myself trying to do something that I was happy doing and, and enjoyed doing. And I get to come in and talk to neat people and learn about stuff every day. So That's great. And I suppose business is booming now? Well, woo-weed. Yeah, let's hear it for that. All right. So uh, is there a website that people can look up to find more information about you guys? Uh, yeah, we're at uh, C hyphen of hyphen green.com somebody okay. already had the actual url so sure throw the hyphens in there there you go just put a dash in there c dash of dash green you got it that's right okay dash and it up <laughs> dash it up there you go how about twitter facebook any of that um we are uh we're on tumblr uh we have a blog on tumblr so okay. you can find us at uh hook or uh hands on hydro at tumblr.com hands on hydro at tumblr.com all right c dash of dash green.com as well and we're sitting here with mark and uh has this been is this your background growing is that where you come from or did you have another career before you got into this no i was really just sales since i've been a very young kid i've sold everything from hot tubs to cars to you know refrigerators so a lot more fun uh, selling this stuff yeah absolutely it is (laughs) absolutely people are much nicer yeah, that's that's good to hear. Well, everybody's nice and mellow when they come oh, into my oh, store. Of course, nice and mellow. That's the way we like to have them. All right. Has this been? Have you ever had any difficulties uh, with regulators or the law when it comes to the store? You I know, mean, I I really haven't. Um, things have been pretty liberal since I've been involved. I've only been involved for about two years, um, so I really haven't dealt with any of those kind of hardships. I definitely know they're out there. I hear about them at the store. I hear about a lot of injustices out there. So yeah. That's why we continue to fight for uh, the legalization of this plant. And in 2016, it looks like Arizona is going to have a, a good chance uh, for doing that. Do you think the prognosis is good? We, we doubled our chances. Yeah, how's that? Uh, we got two initiatives oh. that look to be going on the bill. So. That's right, right. Two, two shots rather than just one. So, yeah, by 2016, we should have legalized uh, cannabis for all adults here in Arizona. And that should definitely improve your business as more people get into the grow yep. game. Yep, they do. Uh, looks like have cultivation for everybody on both bills. So either way it goes, is going to help my store. So. Yeah, because this has been in Arizona. They've had for their medical law a 25-mile halo. You live within 25 miles of dispensary. You can't home grow. Yep, that's just about everybody, too. And yeah, 97% or so of the people yes, in Arizona. <laughs> I think if you live out in Tuba City, you can still grow. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> they may have already got a license going there. You may be done. Yeah, it might be. All right. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us here from uh, Sea of Green, C-of-green.com. And uh, good luck on everything and have yourself a great well, thank show. thank you. Woo-weed. Woo-weed. Thanks, man. We got more coverage of the uh, Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo coming up here live on CannabisRadio.com. I'm Radical Russ. Stay tuned. We'll be back. Got some more music while you wait. Thank you, Mark.
The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Your city is the bomb if your city making pain. Oh. Throw a 
up a finger if you feel the same way. Straight putting it down for California, yeah. Welcome back to the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. I'm Radical Russ Belville with CannabisRadio.com. Quick news update on polling in key 2016 presidential swing states. Among the candidates, Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush, Chris Christie, Rand Paul, Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, all polling at 50% or below in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Meanwhile, marijuana legalization is beating them all. That's right. Marijuana legalization is more popular in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida than any of the leading 2016 presidential candidates. That's how you know we are winning. We're back here with another interview at the CannabisRadio.com desk. Joining me here at the desk from Uncle Herb's Health Center, we've got Stacy and we... Uh, I'm sorry, I missed the other name. Stacy and Francis are here. So many interviews today. Thank Hi. you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us. And uh, Stacy, you are the general manager of Uncle Herb's Health Center. This says it's a state-licensed medical marijuana dispensary in Payson, Arizona. Uh, how long has Uncle Herb's been in business? So we just turned two years old in August. Uh, so happy birthday to us. We haven't reached our terrible twos, so um, we're doing really well. We have six different businesses in our building we have lab kitchen grow wholesale retail and general store so we do wholesale throughout the state with our edibles and concentrates and uh, we're thriving we're absolutely loving what we do and this is my chef francis hi chef francis how, hi, you, doing? how you doing today uh, how how has it been uh working in uncle herbs and being able to produce uh quality edibles and such for the dispensary and for the patients it's uh one of the best things i've ever been able to do especially seeing the patients and how they react to the medicine and getting them off the prescription drugs and everything else. Most of our clients in the area we are at are between the ages of 45 and 65. So mm. our clients are actually met people that need the medicine, that are getting off other drugs and getting a life that they haven't had in many years. So Is that the demographics of Payson being more of a retiree area, or is that just your what you're Correct. finding in general? It's more that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so a lot of retirees and... So uh, older folks, when they're, wanting to, when they're first getting into this, especially if they don't have prior history uh, with cannabis, uh, can be kind of taken aback by the, all the accoutrement of the <laughs> cannabis community, pot leaves and 420s and all that kind of stuff. Uh, describe your dispensary and how it might uh, dispel some of that as people want to well, come Well, when in. people walk into our dispensary, we've actually designed it so it looks a little bit older and a little bit more old-fashioned. Okay. It's also a very open environment, so it's very welcoming when people come in, so they're not um, in a medical environment and everything else, and it's kind of a more friendly environment. And then when they're at the counters, we make sure that they take all the time they need to get the decisions and all the information in order to medicate properly. What, is, what are some of the things that they're asking? What do they need to know? Um, if I take too much, do I have to call 911? You know, I mean, the, the kind of funny things like that. But also the, the, the same thing of, you know, where do I hide my medicine? What happens if someone gets it? Things like that. Where do I put it? Um, you know, what's the best way for me to dose without overdosing? You know, so when tinctures and things like that, you want to make sure that they're not just squirting it into their mouth. They're squirting it onto a spoon so they can actually see what's happening and not just accidentally over-medicate. And now they have a bad taste in their mouth and... You know, yeah, and, and an effect they're maybe not looking for, for sure. Right. Uh, Stacy, in in working with Uncle Herbs in Payson, Arizona, uh, how many 
hurdles and roadblocks did it take to get where you're at today? I mean, there's a lot of resistance to medical cannabis, even in states that pass the laws. Yeah, there is. Um, in in all in all honesty, we jump through our hoops and we do um, everything by the book, and that kept us in operation. And we are in full compliance to everything they're asking for. And I think that's why we're thriving is because we're really going for quality, um, precision, accuracy, and consistency as well. So we always ask patients what their conditions are and what they're looking for. Not everybody wants to smoke. We have different methods of ingestion: topicals, tinctures, uh, like I said, sublinguals. We have different methods of ingestion with our cannabis and stuff. Uh, we have capsules, too. So oh. we offer a lot of different products. About 110 different um, edibles or tinctures or topicals. Oh, wow. 110. That's amazing. A lot of uh, selection there. Uncle Herb's Health Center is in Payson, Arizona, and there's a website for it, UncleHerbsAZ.com, uh, H-E-R-B. Is that the right one? Do we get the right one? UncleHerbsHealthCenter.com. Yeah. Oh, it's it's the full thing now. Yes. Okay. So that we okay. UncleHerbsHealthCenter.com. Yes. So thank go you. Spell the whole thing out. Ignore that part, Russ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, now we're looking at 2016 in Arizona at the possibility of not one but even two legalization initiatives. Is that a direction you'd go if legalization were to come to the state to want to expand to the recreational market? Regardless of what initiative actually goes through, um, right now we're just by partial. Um, I think it's the decision of the owner and okay. what he would like to do with the company. Um, but in all honesty, we will prevail no matter what, just because we love what we do. So whether it's medical, recreational, we're gonna we're gonna go one hundred percent. Stacy, what's your background in getting into this business? What brought you to medical cannabis? Uh, well. Um, I, I love helping people. I love giving back. Um, I started at this company organizing ice cream containers. Okay. And I stuck it out. And two years later, we have an enormous, uh, wonderful staff. We're a team. We're a family. We stick together. We're going to prevail. We've gone through a couple hurdles and whatnot, but uh, we're we're doing better than ever. And so um, I, I love giving back. I love the camaraderie. I love the communication between everybody in the industry. It's not a competition. Yeah. It's wonderful. Had you been a patient or had someone in your life that needed medical cannabis? I, I know plenty of people, absolutely. I am a patient myself. Okay. Yes. I, I think... Almost every employee that we have are patients, too. Oh, okay. So that brings a level of compassion as well. Right. A, a, a first-person understanding. I think most exactly. people that get into this industry are um, get into it because they see how much it helped them out individually. Yeah. And then they want to pass that on and show people that it's not just about getting high, that it's about medicating. It's about getting rid of your aches and pains and being able to tolerate the, the daily things and not be a zombie from your medication. Exactly. So, so uh, Chef Francis, did you come to this from a, a, a main? Stream culinary background? Uh, I've been cooking since I was 14 years old, so I got okay. about 24 years of actual cooking experience, and then um, I'm really talented with math, so the formulas and everything else came to me, and um, I was able to make accurate medicine uh, consistently over and over and over again. So. Oh, good. Yeah, that's one of the problems we found in Colorado and some of the other states is, you know, 100 milligram bar ranges anywhere from 60 to 160 in it, some it's, cases. It's, people don't take the consideration of everything that goes into making an edible, so if you're going to make 30 chocolates and put in 25 grams we have to take out 25 grams of chocolate or your original math is all off right right so people also people 
do the math with their first extraction process, which is only at 38% because it's their first one, and they never change their math. So as their math gets better, as their extraction process gets better, the medicine gets stronger, uh-huh. but they're never adjusting it from their original math. Right, right. Uh, every, everything. Every um, batch has to be made it. individually. It can't be, you can't just have one math problem and do it consistently every time. Right. So uh, conceptually, to make this nice and simple, if you think of, 10 bowling pins set up. If you added a green bowling pin, there'd be one green and 10 whites right. in there. It's exactly. a 1 to 10 ratio, not 1 to 9 that you were right. anticipating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that's that actually makes, a really good way to put it. Well, that's what <laughs> I do. Great analogy. <laughs> that's what I do. That's my job. Uh, so that's really good that we're getting some consistency to this. Um, in, the, in the culinary world, I mean, how much of your experience from there transfers and then how much new do you have to add when you're moving well, into this? There's a lot of new, but the basics stay the same. I mean, if you want a product to mix correctly, you've got to mix it and take the time and efforts and check temperatures. And It's more like baking than it is like cooking, though. It's more of a precision okay. thing and everything else. I mean, so if you have any kind of baking background where you're weighing out things and making sure that your ratios are correct with baking soda so it's not over-rising or under-rising, you kind of still have the same philosophies or the basics for doing it. But then when the medicine comes in, you have to learn the temperatures for decarb. And if you want it to be less of a sleepy agent or you want more consistency. So if you want a lot of consistency, you want to use more varieties when you're making your oils and things like that. Because if you use one consistent oil all the time and the grower changes his stuff, now your medicine changes. Right. If you use five or six strains every single time, the consistency is always going to be there because the terpenes are going to have more of a level profile. So the medicine will be consistent today and four years from now, people will get the same effect. Wow. We've got a lot of knowledge here at Uncle Herb's <laughs> Health Center. Check yeah. them out at UncleHerb'sHealthCenter.com. And... Uh, Another aspect of this is the customer service aspect, and there was an article recently in Denver's Westward asking people, what bud tender habits do you hate? And they listed a bunch of, you know, do's and don'ts. Uh, Give folks an idea about your bud tenders there, uh, your customer service reps, and their level of knowledge and care in dealing with the flowers and other products. So um, when we do a new hire, we always have them certified by our um our medical director, Dr. William Trout, um, so he gives them the educational session, and then we go over all of our current products. We do a lot of research. We do a lot of role-playing. We do a lot of training um, until they get it right, and when they feel comfortable, then they get to drive and start to help people. And uh, we always ask, what are your conditions? What are you looking for? Because it's so far and few between that everyone is different. And so the bud tenders uh, have become acclimated to helping patients, regardless of their own opinions. They're just there to help people. Right. Now, um, other than your brick-and-mortar location, do you do deliveries as well, or is this just a shop? Uh, Unfortunately, we're not doing deliveries right now. That's a work in progress, uh, but we do wholesale throughout the state at other state-licensed dispensaries. All right. 52 different dispensaries right now. Oh, okay. So plenty of uh, access to that. Uncle Herb's Health Center, Payson, Arizona, UncleHerb'sHealthCenter.com. Any other contacts or information you'd like to give out to the audience? Um, come say hi to Stacy in Payson, Arizona, and say hi to Francis as well. We, um, the only thing I would like to say is we are launching our two chocolate bars okay. and five new tinctures. So it's something to definitely look out because the tinctures are for people that are taking anti-inflammatories, but the sugar products aren't working for them. Okay. So. Excellent. I love what you're doing. Uncle Herb's Health Center, Stacy and Francis, and uh, Uncle Herb's. 
UncleHerbsHealthCenter.com. It's, it's been a long day. Thank you so much for Thank joining us here. Thank you very much for having us. And uh, we'll have this interview up on CannabisRadio.com. You'll be able to share this with everyone who wants to hear it. Don't do that. <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, more music and more interviews here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference. conversation on some trending topics along the cannabis radio social media network join our crew of thousands on our cannabis radio page on facebook or at canna radio c-a-n-n-a radio on twitter 
Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing cannabis radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. That's music from the Super Suckers with Can Pipe. And folks, you aren't really a true stoner until you smoked weed out of a can pipe. Absolutely. You millennials out there who've grown up with medical cannabis, you don't know what we're talking about. But welcome back. It's our live coverage of the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, Arizona. Returning to the desk, we spoke to him yesterday. It's Corey Anderson, the pot fesser. How you doing, Corey? Russ, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you here. And of course, uh, Staff MMJ is uh, the company that you're with. We talked yesterday about uh, you know education and and teaching people about the cannabis industry and what they need to know. How are things going for you today, um, day two? So we've actually been here s- since Monday. Oh, uh, day we, three. Yeah, we so we've been here for three days now, and it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, the Southwest Cannabis Conference Expo has really uh, not only embraced us, but shown us great support. Uh, I think most of the individuals that came by our booth that might have registered for our classes are uh, completely and totally excited. Yeah. And we are just 100% excited to complete, 
to participate with this again. And yeah. uh, we appreciate Cannabis Radio having us on once again. And, uh, you know, it's just been a, it's been a great time. Yeah. Staff MMJ, a lot of people signing up at the booth there, wanting to get their education in the cannabis industry. And uh, this has been an amazing event as far as I'm concerned, too. Very professionally run. Lots of great booths. And the quality of the booths, the, the production value that we're seeing in the cannabis industry, it's, it's remarkable. It really is. And I think that's uh, that's kind of odd when you start thinking about the industry itself. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe we're not the most responsible individuals. And I think that's kind of not necessarily being the same stigma. And, uh, yeah, we've, we've just had a great time. One of the things we've really focused on is uh, promoting more of our online courses. A lot of folks were not going to be able to make the uh, six-hour hand, hands-on training. Mm-hmm. So we said, you know what, once you come to herbalrisings.com, once you look at our online courses, uh, figure out what works best for you so that you can still get credited. You can still get the necessary information that you're going to need to get into the dispensary or into the medical marijuana industry. But do it at your own time. Do it at your own pace. Mm-hmm. So we want to really make sure that we provide at least an outlet for everyone, hands-on, online, get certified, get into the industry, have a great time, make a difference in someone's life. Absolutely. Staff F- Staff MMJ can help you with that. Corey Anderson's a pot fesser there. We talked about that and all the other pot fessers and, and learning in the cannabis industry on yesterday's interview. You can find that on my SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ. And uh, uh, Corey, anything else you want to uh, say or, or tell the audience before we uh, wrap it up? So anyone that decides to go ahead and register, there will be a $5 off coupon. So we will go ahead and be offering a little bit of a discount. Also, if anyone would like to reach out to me directly, they can reach me at Corey, C-O-R-Y, at staffmmj.com. I'll be more than happy to uh, explain a little bit more about what we do, especially if there's dispensaries out there looking for custom curricula. I think that's one of the things that may be lacking is just a real understanding as to what they're going to want their individual employees to know Mm -hmm. and how they're going to be able to uh, provide value to their customers. Okay, so customizable uh, training uh, for your particular dispensary for your like standard operating procedures and all that? Or? It, it can be all of all of the above, Russ. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great question. Really what we're looking to do is making sure that we carve out the curricula necessary for what the dispensaries are going to be doing. Like we talked about yesterday, there's different types of extraction methods and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's also um, different types of flowering and different types of flowers that, that dispensaries are going to want to have. Mm-hmm. Maybe some are going to focus more on CBD, like Charlotte's Web. Sure. Um, so we just want to make sure that the dispensaries have the ability to train their people accordingly, and we're always here to be able to make sure that we can do that for them. All right. That's great stuff. Staff MMJ, Corey Anderson's a pop fesser there. Here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, you can check out their booth. You can check them out online. You can email Corey directly. Thank you guys for providing the education that is so needed to break this ignorance uh, in marijuana prohibition. Well, we appreciate it, Russ. Thanks once again for what you guys do as well. You guys are definitely making a mark in the industry. We look forward to working with you in the future. All right. Thanks so much, Corey. We're going to take a break and uh, get some more music on for you. We've got a couple more interviews coming up uh, soon, and we'll probably wrap things up around 5 o'clock here at the booth. But thanks for joining us on our live coverage from CannabisRadio.com here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. 
Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer, Dr. Dina, shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com.
Hello, everybody. Radical Russ here with the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, CannabisRadio.com live coverage. And joining us here at the desk, we have Jay. Uh, is it Jay? Matt. Matt. It's Matt. Sorry. We have Matt here. Uh, is it pronounced Kirtan? Yes, that's correct. Matt from Kirtan. How are you doing, Matt? Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Uh, tell us what Kirtan is doing here at SWCC. So Kirtan's been a company for 10 years. We manufacture uh, the world's leading trimmer for um, medical cannabis. Okay, so uh, you've done your harvest. You've got this machine then to trim off all the leaves and stems and so forth. Yeah, that's correct. It's a, it's a form of automation, something that the industry is really surging towards um, fully. We, we, we've been in business, like I said, for 10 years and uh, led the way on innovation for the harvesting purposes and trimmers in the industry. So one of the uh, criticisms I hear of trimming machines is the worry that it's going to shake off the trichomes. We're going to lose a lot of the, the medical potential uh, from the machine. Is that the, I mean, what are you doing to mitigate that, or is that even just a, a myth? Yeah, over the course of, um, you know, the last 20 years, there's been several machines, trimmers come to market, and it build a bad stigma because there's a lot of, you know, very rudimentary or bad machines that were built, and that stigma was created that... Um, mm-hmm. They actually shake off the trichomes, like you said, and aren't aren't viable processes that that you can have um, to to produce good product. But now uh, we revolutionized. We, we've got a lot of credit for revolutionizing the, the trimming industry, and um, now have what people say is the Bentley of trimmers that handles your product a lot gentler than than most and that stigma that's out there yeah it's good to hear i mean it's kind of like led lights when they first came out you know there was a lot to be desired but there's been a lot of advances now in these technologies in trimming technologies and i think we're getting to the point now in the in the larger scale of this industry you're going to have to mechanize these things yeah it's, it's like any industry um you know automation and um mechanizing everything is is the way of the future and like no different than in the greenhouse industry there's been conveyor belts and all um, automation for many years so it's just a matter of time and when the big money and and uh, all the guys doing the economics of and and cost comparisons you realize that it's not feasible to not have that in a big in a big scale production especially all right so uh what different sizes or, or levels of machines are you offering Currently, we only have uh, we have two staple products. We have our Twister T2 and our Twister T4. Um, the Twister T4 is one that we launched and came to market with about 18 months ago. It's the it's the smaller, more condensed version of the Twister T2. The Twister T2 was our staple product that we've built and evolved over the last uh, nine years. That that one is definitely more the commercial, um, tried and true, fall off the back of your truck mm-hmm. type trimmer. Um, and we, our Twister T4 is the more smaller, um, yeah, we, we call it more of the Japanese kind of version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 uh, the compact car version. Yeah, okay. exactly. More portable. Okay. And uh, what are the costs on these things? Uh, retail, the T2 currently retails for approximately 11500 and the Twister T4 retails for approximately 6400 yeah, so you have to you have to think about how soon that's going to pay for itself in the savings of time and labor and so forth. Yeah, your ROI on on your investment on these, um, you know, depending on the size of your your production and your your scale of your of your facility, your return on your investment actually you can get it back in your first harvest. Hmm. 
Wow, yeah. that's pretty remarkable. So, uh, Kirton, K-E-I-R-T-O-N dot com is the website if you want to know more about this. We're speaking with Matt here from Kirton. How did you get involved with this uh, industry? You know what? There was a, there was just a void um, for it many years ago, ten years ago, and uh, some guys on our team are you know have been growers for many years several years 20 years um a lot of experience in it and the the machines were built for our internal team and then as that evolved um then there's a void and we we saw the need for it and we built a business out of it that that evolved and now we we ship international company we have um thousand accounts worldwide and yeah we we sell uh to, I, I believe over 25, 20, 20 different countries. So wow, yeah, and, and of course all the medical and recreational states. I assume. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow, check it out at kirton.com, k e i r t o n dot com. You can learn more. Matt is here with us, and uh, I want to thank you for putting this out and and you know helping to evolve this technology to to make this a, a better, more streamlined, more efficient uh, marketplace that we have here. Do you have any other uh, contacts or Facebook or anything like that you need to promote? Yeah, mostly um, our brand's recognized by Twister Trimmer, so our website is www.twistertrimmer.com. Our handle on Instagram at Twister at Twister Trimmer. Um, same as our uh, Twitter is at Twister Trimmer as well. So okay, yeah, that works out great. Well, thank you, Matt, for stopping by the desk here and telling people about the machine, about the company, and I hope you're having a great show. Awesome, yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. There, we will uh, bring you more music and interviews here all the way through the end of the Southwest Cannabis Conference here in Phoenix. I'm Radical Russ with CannabisRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. Our live coverage continues after a tune or two. Stick around. Thank you, man. Champagne and Reefer, that's the Muddy Waters classic covered by the Ian Moore band. Ain't gonna be messing around with no cocaine. I'm Radical Russ. We're back here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, Arizona, covering this live for CannabisRadio.com. And joining me at the desk, one of my brothers in the CannabisRadio.com family, we got David here from State of Cannabis. How you doing? If I was doing any better, I'd be you. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, I think. <laughs> Glad to hear it. And um, 
in addition to the state of cannabis, anything else we're promoting here while I'm thinking of it? Well, you know, I'd always like to promote my, my wonderful wife and the work that she does uh, with Mom Force AZ, uh, bringing education to uh, the senior citizens of our good state of Arizona. All right. So let's talk about State of Cannabis, your show on CannabisRadio.com. Uh, how often, how long, how can people get it? In, get it? Well, you know, uh, the normal vehicles, you can find us on uh, iTunes, iHeart's. Spreaker, Stitcher, uh, CannabisRadio.com, of course, you can find our show. Um, and we, uh, we push out every Tuesday. Okay, so Tuesdays is when you're going to get the new uh, episode of State of Cannabis. A half-hour program? Yeah, about 26 minutes, uh, 30 minutes with commercials, yeah. There you go. Okay, so uh, we're talking about uh, the, the latest news, the latest info, interviews? Absolutely. You know, we, uh, we, we just try to keep our listeners on the pulse of, of what's happening in cannabis, and basically that is, uh, you know, these movements, these uh, cannabis conferences that uh, we have here, and, and really, you know, finally bridging the gap of the stigma, removing the stigma from cannabis itself and moving that vehicle forward. What was your route to becoming a cannabis broadcaster? You know, I, I have a, an interesting trajectory, I would say. You know, I'm, I'm the product of a nun and a hippie. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a start of a joke. It, 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 <laughs> it, more of a butt of a joke. But, <laughs> it, uh, you know, it was an interesting trajectory. My mother passed at a young age. I, I was a, a runaway, uh, one of the mill rats of Arizona. You know, okay. lived in a, in a cave off of Curry for a while. Wow. Um, and then the next thing you know, uh, fast forward 20 years, uh, I'm an energy-efficient lighting designer. I'm responsible for just over a billion kilowatt hours reduced from our environment. Uh, I, I bump into this wonderful, beautiful uh, woman, Kathy Enman, now Kathy Enman. And, uh, you know, she has provided a vehicle that I can actually also talk about another one of my passions, and that's, that's cannabis. That's wonderful. And, of course, Kathy's work with Mom Force Arizona is wonderful. We've talked to her earlier in the day. And so that, you know, the activism side of this is very uh, special to you then. You know, I would, I would definitely say it's uh, something that we take home with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, activism is is how we change things now. We have wonderful vehicles for changing uh, hearts and minds uh, with social media. We can reach out to so many thousands and millions of people and, and really show them that uh, cannabis is nothing to fear. There we go. What's it been like getting cannabis radio off the ground and being a part of that? You know, quite honestly, that was almost just automatically in the background. Uh, Darren and Brandy are just amazing and uh, they're just stalwart champions of cannabis. Um, I can't say enough things uh, nice about them, of course, uh, and that's so I can get to go to the barbecue later. Yeah, <laughs> I hear that. Have you seen that place out there? My goodness. I would like to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> you will definitely, definitely appreciate that. Uh, so, uh, State of Cannabis, available every Tuesday on CannabisRadio.com, all of the outlets, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn, Morse code, smoke signals, uh, sonar. I, <laughs> if it's a communications medium, we're on it. Uh, any developments or guests or shows you want to highlight for the future? You know, we've, we've had some wonderful guests. Uh, you know, we, we've had Charlotte Green. Mm, very um, good. That was uh, just an amazing guest. Uh, we, we've had so many that, you know, in the back of my mind, they're all coming out at me at once. We, we've had Joe Hodas. We had Guy Bertuzzi with Elevate NV. Uh, you know, we had just some, some wonderful, beautiful guests. Uh, we had Robert Plashtorn, the Black Tuna, mm-hmm. you know, spent 30 years in, in prison for a nonviolent offense, the longest in U.S. history. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've had these, these wonderful, amazing guests, and, and, you know, we look forward to getting more and more wonderful and amazing guests. You know, when I, when I started doing this podcasting, I thought I knew a lot about weed, and it turned out that the longer I did this, the, the more ignorant I felt. It was like, <laughs> my God, I didn't know half of this stuff. What are some of the things that you've picked up from doing this work? 
you know, honestly, for me, um, that cannabis is and can be and should be a medicine. Um, you know, I, I used it well before it was a medicine, at least in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember uh, uh, the recourse that I felt the first time I heard, you know, that cannabis has the potential to cure cancer. I mean, it, it honestly offended me, to be honest. My, my mother passed at a young age of, of cancer, and to find that something so mundane and that's been held down could possibly be uh, an effective treatment for cancer. Um, that is, is the new driving force behind so much um, that not only is it a wonderful recreational tool, but at the same time, it's also a very efficacious uh, medical vehicle and that we need to, to show everybody that we have. You know, I, I find that interesting. I come from the same background uh, of being a what they call recreational cannabis consumer. I was a long haired rock and roll musician. And uh, that transformation, that, that discovery of, hey, I was just having fun with this. Who knew that it would, you know, cure cancer, help Alzheimer's? I mean, you know, it's wonderful to be right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, when, when we find something that we enjoyed so much and we can fast forward and find out that it was potentially just making us that much better. I mean, you know, I think there was a study that just came out about basketball players and uh, how many of them imbibe right before a game. I think it's like 71%. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe it's not performance enhancing, but it's certainly not performance diminishing. Yeah. I, you know? I, I always point out that the NBA does not uh, drug test for marijuana in the offseason because they want to have at least five guys to <laughs> field a team, right? <laughs> you know, they got to work on that. Uh, and, of course, you know, uh, Phoenix here is an NBA town, absolutely a NFL town, an NHL town, and an MLB town. All of the four major pro sports. You got Major League Soccer here too. You know, I would like to say yes. I, I honestly, I don't know enough about yeah. the football, the footballs. <laughs> uh, but all of these pro sports. We just had the uh, uh, the Gridiron Cannabis Society or group, amazing or whatever group out there, amazing group. Yeah, you know, uh, just trying to push the uh, the envelope and 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 express that you know the, the the football players. You know, I mean, they go through massive concussions and 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 aches and pains and and that. This has been their form of treatment, and they want to make sure that they're able to use that. It's a beautiful, uh, amazing organization that, that we really need to, to, to push as much as possible. You know, that, that really, again, bridges the gap with so many of the American populace that may potentially be afraid of cannabis. If they know that their favorite Pro Bowl player uses that instead of, uh, you know, hydrocodone or Oxycontin or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, or maybe an Ambien at night, they don't have to do that. And I think that's a beautiful message. Yeah, I, I another thing I like to point out is... Uh, two of the recent Super Bowls back-to-back were won by game-winning touchdown catches by receivers who'd been busted for weed. Plaxico Burris and Santonio Holmes. <laughs> now, they did some other dumb stuff in their life, too. But <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, it's just so vital that we're getting this information out. And, and you, uh, and you're based here in Arizona? I am indeed, okay. yes. So you're based here in Arizona, and 2016, you might have one or even two initiatives. What do so, you think? You know, we, we have uh, 100,000 uh, signatures plus with uh, the Marijuana Policy Projects Initiative. Um, I, I say that, uh, you know, as long as we stay the course, uh, we're going to get that on the ballot. And then it's just up to the, the voters to cast their stone. Um, I would like to see, you know, as many uh, options as possible, you know, um, to, that, that we can have uh, cannabis, cannabis and more cannabis to vote on. You <laughs> yeah. know, honestly, um, we know for sure that we're going to have one that's on there. You know, we're, we're going to have a resounding 240, 250,000 signatures by time that we uh, are, are by the time we qualify so you know it's it's an exciting time and quite frankly uh, this time next year you know we're gonna have uh, another conversation maybe uh, you know a, a nice congratulatory uh, of we did it you know yeah let's hope so and I hope to come back down here and celebrate when that happens and I uh, want to thank you for being here we got David from 
State of Cannabis on CannabisRadio.com. Make sure you're checking it out. New episodes every Tuesday on CannabisRadio.com. Available through iTunes and all of the online outlets. David, great to be a part of the family. Thanks for joining us. Russ, thank you so much. All right. Love what you do. We are going to bring you some more music and more interviews. Stick around here. We'll be back with less feedback when we return. Welcome back, everybody. We're winding things up here at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Radical Russ with CannabisRadio.com. Joining us now, we have Nadim from Baked Brothers or Baked Bros. Yes, Baked Bros. Oh, I got to turn you up so people can hear you. Baked Bros? Yes, Baked Bros. Okay, and uh, this is, I guess you're talking edibles and, and edible stuff. That is exactly what we are doing. We focus on pourable THC syrups, medicated gummies, baked goods such as brownies, Baklava, you name it, man. Wow. We do it. Syrups. I think that's the first time I've heard of someone talking about medicated syrup. You got like maple syrup, boysenberry, that well, kind of stuff? Or? Well, see, we believe that traditional westernized medicine has always been pills, syrups, and injections. I mean, as far as I can remember as a child, my mom gave me syrups when I was sick. You right. know, a lot of patients use syrups. So there's a lot of patients that are transitioning to alternative medicine. So why not make the transition easy? You know, so a patient can use our product Dank Drink, which is a pourable THC syrup. They can take a teaspoon of it, and it's 25 milligrams of activated THC. So to be able to dose your product and to take a teaspoon at a time is important because I believe we've all eaten an edible, and you receive a cookie or a brownie, and they're like, oh, eat half of it. Okay, and it doesn't work. And then you eat the other half, and now you're curdled in a ball, and you just want to go to bed, and you're rocking back and forth. So. Yeah. That's not that. That's not good, man. We we this is medicine, and we have to be safe with it, and we need to be able to dose it, and we need to adjust ourselves to it. So, with a syrup like uh, Dank Drink, portable THC syrup, you can do that, and that's what's important. So, what got you interested in wanting to be a part of this and 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 produce these products? Well, my mother, she and father, they both have diabetes. Okay. Uh, my father has type 2. Uh, my mom is now no longer at risk of diabetes. My father is now down to a type 1. Um, wow. I mean, he's, he's, they both healed significantly. Um, we've, we, currently, we're in 55 dispensaries here in, in Arizona, and we're serving over 10,000 patients, and we have you know, felt nothing but positive feedback. Um, my family, it's always been treated as a medicinal medicine. Even when I was young, I was raised that way. Yeah. And uh, I never saw it as an, as an you know, abusive drug, and that really caught my interest. And so Arizona becoming legal in 2010 and brought me here. Was that difficult for you growing up? I mean, knowing the truth about cannabis as a, as a kid, especially when you get to like the dare age, was that difficult for you? You know what? My mom loved to attend dare. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll bet she was fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, I wouldn't say it was difficult. You know, it, it, it definitely raised me to be more open-minded and uh, to not, you know, turn another way or, or to look the other way. So it kept me open-minded and, and I... I 
being able to see first on or first hand results was probably you know important and important to a lot of people to you know to see results. I saw results within my family and how it cured them and how it helped them, and uh, that that gave me a lot of belief. All right. Now, you looked young. You look uh, under 30. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. So, yes. for the millennial generation, is this is this fight over? I mean, it seems like your, your generation wow. gets it. Yeah, this fight is not over. I believe we have a lot to learn. We have, okay. you know, we're, we're only three, three to five years into these extractions and vaporizers and, you know, solutions to make these vaporizers. Um, butane extractions and CO2 extractions, these hydrocarbon extractions, these are not new. That that boils down to the user and being safe and know how how to operate those machines. But uh, there's a lot to learn, and and cannabis medicinal cannabis is is only a decade old. Oh yeah, all right. So uh, we're speaking with Nadim Nadim, right? Yes. From uh, Baked Bros, is that BakedBros.com? Perhaps it is BakedBros.com, and it is a very informative website. There's a uh, uh, how our products are made. There's a page on what's inside our products, the extractions. Uh, there's a contact. There's a find us tab, which will display all 55 dispensaries we're in. Um, yeah. Oh, great. So uh, lots of locations all throughout Arizona, just Arizona at this point? Yes, just Arizona right now. We're looking to expand into California before the new year. Um, so I believe that's the first time I've announced that. Oh, well, <laughs> we, we broke the news here. Coming to California, look for Bake Bros sometime soon. Uh, what's it like trying to break into, I mean, first, just starting the business, and there's so many you know, regulatory hurdles to clear, and then trying to break into another state. Has it been difficult? Um, <clears throat> well... I follow up on your loss. You know, know what's going on because <clears throat> California just made a lot of changes. You know, they're 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 starting to introduce a tier one, tier two, tier three type licensing as opposed to Arizona's a vertical licensing, which means one license gives you the ability to grow, distribute, um, the, that such. So uh, you have to follow up on your laws. Every county is different in California, so you have to make sure you know the county that you're going to be in will allow you to operate, allow you to grow. Uh, and if you don't prepare, if you don't look into those things, then you're just looking for trouble. Let me uh, take a shot in the dark here. You look rather athletic. Any background in wrestling or martial arts by any chance? <laughs> yes, I, uh, I wrestled all throughout uh, high school and college. I wrestled in, in Oklahoma. Oh, wow. That's... So, yeah, that was, that was really fun. And moved out here, and I've been doing, I've been staying active. So, so, so in the sports world, uh, you know, we've got anti-doping they've got drug testing all that kind of stuff did you ever have to go run that gauntlet you know uh i did when i got into mma and they they did test for it but i think they were testing for other things yeah they never seemed to care (laughs) (laughs) never never seemed to care well i know the world anti-doping agencies recently raised their metabolite limit to 150 nanograms in the urine and and their specific rationale was we don't want to catch guys that are just smoking weed in their off time we're going to catch a guy now if he's high in the ring or the octagon. Yeah, we're right. going to catch that. But uh, what do you think, since I've got you here and on this subject, recently uh, MMA fighter Nick Diaz was given a five-year right. suspension for his third strike in Nevada while Anderson Silva, the opponent, got busted for performance-enhancing steroids and got one year. What do you think of that? I think that is outrageous. Yeah. And that is absolutely silly. You know, this this is even steroids aren't used Medical marijuana, it's medicinal, man. And and whether you're in a medicinal state or not, that's just silly. He shouldn't have gotten a five-year ban. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. And considering, you know, the short careers in MMA, that's lifetime ban for yeah. him. He's, yeah. he's going to be that's, in his late, that's done. mid-30s? Late yes, 30s? It's, it's, you're, just, you're just a coach at that point. Sorry, yeah. no offense. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> it. Well, there have been a couple guys that went into their 40s that I saw, but, you know. 
I wouldn't want to. My God. No way. No way. <laughs> that's a young it's man's sport. Hurt, man. Yeah, that's, that's hurtful. All right, Nadim. Thank you so much for joining us here. And bakedbros.com is the website to check out. Any yes. other contact stuff to, to shout out? You know, you can do bakedbrosco.com. That's our apparel site. So we have bakedbros.com, bakedbrosco.com. Uh, we're with Yava Pyrobel Services in Prescott Valley. Uh, they also have a location in Cottonwood. Um, again, you can fit, you can find all the dispensaries uh, available on our website. If you need to contact us, there's a contact. It'll come straight to me. And, uh, yeah, that's it, guys. Right on. Nadim from uh, BakedBros.com. Thanks for joining us here at Cannabis Radio. Pleasure. And Thank you uh, very have much. yourself a great show. Thank you. All right. We're going to take another break. We'll get more interviews up here shortly at the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. I'm Radical Russ with CannabisRadio.com. Thanks for listening to our live coverage online on CannabisRadio.com. From high atop mountain. Ladies and gentlemen, the time is four twenty. Hello, everyone, from the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo here in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Radical Russ with CannabisRadio.com. Joining us at the desk, we have Nathaniel. Welcome, Nathaniel. Welcome. Thank you very much. Now, you came up to me earlier in the day promising to bring me historical artifacts, and I see you've brought some with you. You've got some great news, uh, great information here to uh, relay to the public very historical and important information for the African-American community as well. Yes. Tell us a little bit about what you've got to show. Well, I've got a number of things. Uh, for one thing, I've got a newspaper here from 1794, wow. December 2nd, and it's uh, printed in the United States, yeah. and it's made on hemp paper. Tuesday, this is Dunlap and Claypool's American Daily Advertiser, and you know it's 1700s because they use the F, like an S kind That's of right. thing. That's right. Uh, Tuesday, December 2nd, 1794. Price, six cents. Right. And made of hemp and still in looks wonderful. Condition. And they're advertising hemp on the front page at the bottom. Oh, there we go. There For sale, go. the cargo of the ship. Uh, Washington from St. Petersburg, consisting of hemp, tallow, mold, dipped candles, etc., etc. That's right. That's amazing. And then, <laughs> then right above, right below, below that, it, right, <laughs> <laughs> the sale of a young Negro boy. Okay, right. Exactly. So, exactly. Now we really know it's 1700s. So, but during the Civil War, the hemp culture took a shift because in 1863, January 
1863, Abraham Lincoln abolished slavery. Right. But it actually became effective then. It was signed on the 22nd of September, 1862. But no one knew what was going to happen. So they had to write the Commission of the Agriculture Report for that year. Okay. And I found one in Phoenix years ago. And the second paragraph, it was talking about the hemp culture, 1863. And it says, many writers have advanced the idea that hemp, like cotton, could not be grown by free white labor. And for a time to come, the, rep- the production will have to remain in the slave states. And I'm like, in the slave states? Mm-hmm. So I went backwards in time and found out that, that we were the nucleus of the hemp culture. Okay. They so- used slave labor. Even George Washington. Yeah, yeah. All of them were growing hemp, but it was their property. That right. was responsible for it. So uh, I know in the history of cotton that the evolution of the cotton gin made a huge difference. Yes, uh, 1795. But 17- with hemp not having a similar machine, right. that's why they're saying the slave labor was so important. Well, yeah, that was mandatory. The hemp was mandatory in America or you would go to jail. Right. You had to, and people were paying their taxes with hemp. Yeah. This is, I also have modern part of a universal history from the earliest account of time compiled from original writers, London, England, 1764. Wow. Okay, and it's the history of America. Okay. Okay. As written from the from British. London. Yeah, because this is before the Revolutionary sure, War. Sure, sure. So this is what was going on in the United States before the Revolutionary War. Okay. Hawkers and peddlers were regulated. A tax was imposed upon persons guilty of certain heinous crimes and an excise laid on all wine, rum, brandy, and other spirits related in the province. Precautions were likewise taken against the importation of poor and impotent persons, which is now erectile dysfunction, and for raising good hemp and imposing penalties upon all who should manufacture and cordage unmerchantable hemp. Wow. That was in 1764. Okay. So when you come up to uh, the um, 19th century... Yes. 1844. That was a very, very critical year. I have another book. It's called Notes on Political Economy is Applicable to the United States by a Southern Planter, 1844. Okay. And under manufacturing, they talk about hemp. Okay. And in particular, uh, state of uh, Kentucky, all hemp manufacturers in Kentucky and Missouri were carried on by slaves from the growing and preparing the hemp to the spinning and weaving with complete success. Okay. And that's how it had been because before we were even imported over here from West Africa, we were making our clothes out of hemp. Yeah. And when you go all the way back to uh, Queen Tai, King Tut, Ramses, sure. all of the pharaohs in ancient Egypt were made on uh, linen made out of hemp. Wow. Because that's the only fiber that could survive the length of time because flax, if it was made... It would break down after so many years of sodium contact. Okay. It would just dissolve. Your sweat. Right. So, so much. Right. But the sodium content that they put into those uh, pickled bodies, you know, they had to prime it first, and then they would wrap it. Okay. And then let it go. Wow. So, uh, you know, what, 18, 1863, they abolished slavery. Uh, 1937, uh, cannabis was outlawed, and that's when... Uh, they started putting a lot of black people in jail mm-hmm. because in the South, we were the producers of it. Yeah. You and know. of course, all the demonization from the early Harry J. Anslingers and such, uh, some of the vile things they would say uh, yeah. to try to motivate the, the dominant white culture into repressing what is our hemp heritage, really. It's, exactly. it's part of our 
cultural heritage, not just American, but, you know, like you said, African, going back to Tut and Ramsey. So exactly. that's, that's amazing. And, and some of the stuff you've got here, this historical uh, information, isn't really well known. No, it's not well known. Here's a history of hemp, in, uh, the hemp industry in Kentucky. This is written by James F. Hopkins, written in 1951. And they just one little statement in here to let you know. This is under labor for hemp. Okay. And it says, Kentuckians sometimes referred to hemp as the nigger crop, owing to a belief that no one understood its eccentricities as well or was as expert in handling the, uh, it as the Negroes. Wow. And uh, no white guys didn't do it. It was below them to do that. Right. So when the Civil War came about, it was too late. It was... You know, they were trying to get people to understand how to grow it, but it was it was just too late. So we continued growing it and perfecting it, and then the government came in and called it all marijuana. Yeah. Because and the reason why they used the word marijuana was to villainize Mexicans and every sure everybody else because they could have used ganja or any other word from any other even Dhaka from South Africa. Right. But it was relevant to use that one word to cover up all of this history. So we have uh, the Emancipation Proclamation, the Civil War, uh, the establishment of Jim Crow during Reconstruction. Was there a decline in the volume of hemp farmed in America from 1850 on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was declining because they had to use the labor. Mm -hmm. Had to pay people now. Oh, no. (laughs) The the Cardicator came out, and then, you know, but it was still preferred to the uh, hand culture. Okay. It was the hand culture. Because St. Petersburg, Russia, is what people uh that that's that was our connection with russia mm-hmm. it was the hemp, the hemp trade but then in 1945 most people don't know this uh we um were raging with world war ii sure and uh a lot of people didn't realize that um when japan had taken over the the, the uh, occupation of the manila in the philippines that forced america to go into hemp for victory right okay jack heron covered that documentary R- yes right so when that took place, the United States knew in 1913 uh, all of the hemp um, cultures in the, in the world, districts and everything. We, had, we have a map here okay. of all of it. This is the USDA. But in particular, Japan, hemp called Asa in the Japanese language, is cultivated chiefly in the province or districts of Hiroshima. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I know now that a lot of that bomb was dropped to completely destroy that culture. So now it further keeps it to keep the history out. Nobody yeah. wants to uncover it. That is an interesting point because the the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Nagasaki. Uh, when you look at Japan, those weren't the biggest cities. Those no. weren't the biggest industrial centers. But that was the industrial, that was the hemp center of Japan. Right. And they were a hemp culture 10,000 years ago. Sure. Before sure. the uh, silk culture came in with the Chinese in the 16th century. So they were hemp culture wow. before silk culture, and yeah. most people don't even know that. This intricate, intricate weaving of the hemp trade, slavery, warfare, this is you know, interesting information that is woefully uh, unknown in our, in our culture, in our history. Well, Are you doing something to get this published and out there? <laughs> yeah, well, my wife and I, we're working on some documents right now, but it's pretty... Uh, it's pretty interesting because people don't want this to be known. Uh-huh. This this uh, magazine right here was completely shut down. Hemp Times? Yeah. Have you ever seen this before? No. I, it's my yeah. first time. This came out pre-post uh, High Times magazine. Right. 
and the owner or the editor of uh, the publisher of High Times wanted to create this magazine to separate the two because there was so much confusion and misunderstanding of cannabis sativa, cannabis indica. Mm -hmm. So this is representing cannabis sativa, industrial hemp, and they wanted me to write an article, the first issue that came out in 1997, and I didn't because they wanted to edit it. And So they said, okay, no problem. They came out with all of these wonderful things, and then they came out with Hidden History, The Roots to U.S. Hemp. And there it is, right here. Oh, wow. Yeah. These are all black men uh-huh. that were working diligently. This is, the USDA's coined this, breaking the hemp is the hardest job known to man. Because <laughs> you can make it as coarse as canvas or as soft as silk. Sure. Indistinguishable. Then it says, did slavery so control the hemp culture that their emancipation resulted in the decline of hemp growing? Yes. Yeah. This magazine was completely shut down. You can't even buy this. Wow. It's completely gone. You, can't, you, you look it up, it's gone. You can't buy it. This is, this is remarkable history. I, I've often looked back just to the beginning of the 20th century and some of the, uh, the jazz culture, uh, Louis right. Armstrong and Cab Calloway, oh, yeah. where they were all singing about muggles, jive, That's tea, right. gauge, you know, Mary Jane, reefers. It was, it was part of their culture stemming back from Ghana, West Africa, Nigeria, because in some of the rituals, they used to use cannabis mm-hmm. in some of the rituals. Okay. And then the Portuguese in the 15th century, when they enslaved us, they said it was mandatory to give the slaves their cannabis or they won't work. Wow. Because that was what we were getting in West Africa. This is amazing information. I could go all day with you on this <laughs> stuff. But we yeah, yeah, yeah. I just up. wanted to touch on the surface a little bit. Yeah, this is remarkable. Nathaniel, <laughs> is there any way people can get in touch with you or see this stuff online some way? Yes, I'll give you some uh, documents so we can keep in contact. I'm kind of low-key because people, you know, ignorant, you know, and um, I know quite a bit about it. All right. Definitely. You sure do. And and (laughs) anybody that brings me, uh, you know, uh, 18th century newspapers, man, that's amazing. Oh, here's one for you. This is 1655. Wow. This is Nicholas Culpepper. That's amazing. Well, I, I do have to wrap things up. We'll take a look at that uh, as the show ends here. Thank you for okay. joining us, Nathaniel. And uh, do stay in touch. I'll get people, you know, if they want to <laughs> uh, email me with questions, maybe I can re- relay them to you and we can uh, spread some of this knowledge. I hope that was of some help. Oh, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, Nathaniel. Uh, I'm Radical Russ here with CannabisRadio.com. We'll be back with more interviews. Stay tuned on our live coverage. Oh, thank you.
Welcome back to the Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo. I'm Radical Russ with CannabisRadio.com. And joining us at the desk today, we've got Laura Bianchi from Rose Law Group. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to have you here. Uh, you're based, it looks like Scottsdale, Arizona. Yep, absolutely. Is this your first uh, cannabis conference? Oh, goodness, no. no <laughs> I've been in this industry since 2010, so I'm oh. not even sure what number this is. <laughs> 2010? Why, wow, you're an old timer. Right. My like goodness. Dog years, yes. The whole five years. Uh, <laughs> but that's as long as I've been here right. in Arizona. Absolutely, so yes. You, you could at least say, I've been here the whole time. Since its inception. There that? we go. So, Laura, what are you doing with Rose Law Group then? So I'm a business corporate transactions attorney. Um, Aha. In 2010, we started working in this realm, and it has taken over our practice. So, you know, we started doing the applications, um, helping people prepare those. From that point, I really do all of the structuring. So whether it's wow. partnerships, the joint ventures, the policies and procedures, finance, lending, all of the things in this industry that are so important because we don't have really any case precedent. We don't have a lot to really rely on. So in keeping our clients hopefully out of court and out yes. of litigation, <laughs> I draft the contracts. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fantastic, Laura. And that those services are desperately needed. Uh, you know, a lot of people getting into this uh, industry uh, know a lot about weed, yes. but not a lot about business. Right. It's the suits and the dreads. <laughs> that, I call it the suits and the heads. <laughs> that's amazing. Go. We almost got exactly the same terms. Uh, so, so, Laura, you say you've been in this, uh, doing this since 2010, and you also said uh, uh, it took over your firm. I mean, you well, guys just did, our practice. Your There's practice. two of us that do it, yeah. Okay, uh, so this wasn't intended. It just, no, the demand it sort just of happened. happened. Yeah. yeah. Happened by accident. Um, it's fascinating. You know, I was interested. I love anything that's sort of outside of the box. And, and the more I really found out about the plant and the medicine and what it does, the more passion I had for the for the subject. And, and it's an easy, there's not a lot of attorneys that, at least before, used to be in this realm. Um, and it's just, it's so vastly needed. You have guys coming in that have a lot of money, and then you have the industry people who are coming in who have the expertise in cultivation and infusion sure. and all these things. And so melding those two can be a challenge. And that's, that's <laughs> your gig. That's what that's you're doing. That's my gig. Okay, yep. so... Uh, What's the website or contact information people need to get in sure, touch with you? Sure, sure. Uh, so it's www.roselawgroup.com. My name's Laura Bianchi. They're welcome to email me, call me. Um, certainly I help people from the very beginning, just those that are entering the market and structuring these relationships all the way that those that are in it have just found that they need a little bit more than just a license and a dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually need a plan and a structure as to how to operate their business and a great exit strategy as well. So. All right. Happy to help in any way I can. You know, I, I find oftentimes people that get into this either got sick, got busted, or got mad. Sure. Or someone they knew sure. got sick, busted, or mad. Uh, what brought you in? You know, like I said, when this first started, um, we had gone through and assisted in, in writing the legislation. It passed. And I just have a lot of attention to detail. We were working on the drafting of the rules and writing, you know, comments and responses for the Department of Health Services. And it really was by accident. I'm the person who came in and started reviewing the rules. So by the time we got through where everything was, was passed, I knew these things backwards and forwards. There we go. And suddenly it became my, you know, because I do the transactional aspect, we got involved in, in submitting the first application, dispensary license application. And uh, it sort of evolved from there. So wow. it's been a wild ride, but it's been a lot of fun. So over the past five years, as family and friends have seen you get sucked into this world, <laughs> right. what's their yeah, reaction been? 
You know, I have had a lot of support. My my parents actually came to hear me today, my sister. Um, you know, I have found that by educating and informing people um, and really giving them the information that they need, I'm a little bit probably different than some people they'd expect to be in this industry. Sure. It's, it's served me well, and people are coming around. They ask more questions. They take it a little bit more seriously. Um, and I've not had a bad reaction, so it's, it's been positive for me. All right, so if there are law students out there and they're thinking, hey, this lady sounds like she's got it together. Sure. Is this something they should get into? And if so, what should they focus on in their studies to better prepare them for this industry? I think, you know, there's two very distinct sides. There is the litigation side, which can focus on the criminal. It can, you know, focus on protecting constitutional rights and all of the issues that come with this uh, regulatory structure. And then there's the transactional side. Um, it's really more the business compliance side. Um, so understanding which one of those you you know have a preference for and finding attorneys there's only a few of us but finding attorneys that are in this realm and you know give it a try it's a niche it'll be the one area that you may walk into a room of attorneys who are much more your senior that you may know a little bit more so oh yeah that's always <laughs> it's, a it's fun. kind of a fun yeah it's a fun niche it definitely is all right well laura bianchi from rose law group uh they're here in uh scottsdale arizona mm-hmm. yeah. roselawgroup.com and looks like you got facebook LinkedIn, Twitter. I do. Laura Bianchi. Yes, they can look me up on all of those. All right. Bianchi is B-I-A-N-C-H-I if you're needing to spell that. Thanks for joining us, Laura, and uh, good luck with all your practice and and the future. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Glad to have you here. Uh, Folks, we're going to be disconnecting on our Spreaker Live connection uh, as the Stoner Jesus Show will be coming up at the top of the hour. Big shout out to Stoner Jesus up there in Stoner Heaven. Uh, check out all the great shows here on CannabisRadio.com as well. Uh, we will be recording a couple more interviews, but they'll be recorded uh, going up onto my SoundCloud page. You'll still be able to get a copy of those and listen to those uh, anytime you like on demand. I'm Radical Russ with the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks for joining us for our live coverage of the Southwest Cannabis Conference 2015 from Phoenix, Arizona.